0: Do people co parent with a narcissist? You can't do no contact. So you have to kind of do
1: a grey rock method, which is just being blunt, you know, not giving a reaction, maybe going for a mediator or getting yourself a lawyer, having firm boundaries in place. I think boundaries are important as well and keeping it clear what is and what is not. But it's always going to be hard when there's a child involved. But I think people need to put their child first in all of it. What's the most, the safest thing for the child? what are they going to benefit from and, and, you know, keeping the arguing, the toxicity away at arm's length. And even if you need someone to help assist you with the drop-offs or the pickups, you know, using a friend or a family member,
0: there, there's always some ways around it, but it's probably a really hard thing to do. You mentioned that Freedom Program, and I know a couple of people that have been through that. Just tell us that because that is one of those just really sort of hidden seat well, I didn't know about it. Tell us how someone might access that and what it is. So I remember my ex is
1: spat in my face for a bottle in my head. Right. And I I was crying. I was outside of like a Sainsbury's. My best friend came to pick me up. She had her son in the car who was around six at the time. So she, we couldn't really talk, but I was just shaking. And she goes, I'm driving you to the women's center in Bedford now. And I went, okay. And I would always be in denial and be like, no, no, no. She goes, I'm driving you there now. I'm going to drop you off and I'm going to pick you up. And she just dropped me off there. And then I was just stood there and they were lovely. They were amazing. They booked me on the Freedom Programme and I listened. And that is part of the educating myself that I was talking about. I had to understand what was happening to me because you don't know. You don't realise it at the time. Did you think it's normal? It just, light bulbs were going off in my head like, well, okay, the switch is on and I understand now. And that addiction became like it's bad for me this person is tormenting me and it's not going to get any better so yeah that's what happened to me the freedom program
0: saved my life it was brilliant and how does someone access it if they're listening or maybe they've got a friend like what incredible friend you've got wow it depends where you are but there's local
1: and it's free to do as well so in bedfordshire they have one so you'd have to google it there'd be a local one to you but loads of places run it and it's very discreet as well. Like they won't call you, etc. in case, you know, the address is kind of secret as well. So yeah, there's ways of contacting them if online.
0: Okay, that's really, really helpful. That's so helpful for people to know. And you talked about having low self-worth and how that made you vulnerable, I suppose, to these types of abusers. How have you changed that sense of worth and what have you uncovered about why it was there in the first place oh gosh it's very deep it's a lot of inner child healing it's
1: a lot of tending to my younger self to the little girl that you know would wake up in the middle of the night my mom would be rushed to hospital in and out of hospital feeling very alone having quite a shouty household not having that much attention sometimes and really unpicking that. So a lot of different forms of therapy. Meditation has been a lifesaver for me, meditating and unblocking these wounds, these core wounds and core beliefs that have been ingrained in, in my head since I was younger. Because, you know, as we grow older in school, we get all these beliefs that have put on us, the media, the press, people around us, teachers, caretakers. And Our job as adults is to undo all of that crap and become our true authentic selves underneath all of that. And it can be painful and it's very difficult. That's probably the hardest work you can do on yourself going back to the younger years. And that was where it all started with me. And it's, you know, it's still ongoing. It's always going to be ongoing. Healing doesn't end. And then you've got your shadow work going to parts of yourself that we call the shadow that you don't like about yourself or your reactions to things, things that trigger you finding out why these things are triggering you and unblocking all these parts. And it's hard, but I think when it came to eating disorders and the way I viewed my body image and how I looked at myself and the men I attracted and the people that I hung around with and the things I would do to myself and it all stemmed down to like beliefs from being young when I was younger and them sticking with me. So Yeah, a lot of work and journaling and exercising and eating better and just being very mindful and being present. I think that's helped.
0: What was the most deep-rooted belief that you uncovered?
1: I think maybe that I'm not worthy of love because my mum left me and my dad left me and that anyone that comes into my life will leave me. My baby died as well. She left me. The men that come into my life don't actually love me. They would use me or beat me. So I'm not worthy of love of real love because anyone that does come in, they're going to go anyway. So I might as well push them out. But that was a big thing for me. So, you know, I went from being in in an abusive relationship to then meeting my daughter's dad and being the complete opposite where I, I'm an independent woman, I don't need your love, and then pushing him away through that reason and being like the complete opposite. So to find that medium of, no, you're safe, you're safe, you're sound, it's fine, you don't need this guard, you don't need this wall, you're good. Because it's like one
0: extreme to the other, (laughs) literally. But that is the healing journey, isn't it? Is you pendulum, and then over years, decades, for me, you get to that middle ground and you realize, okay, this is what's happened for me. Like I'm not on of those extremes anymore. Yeah. So from that, I'm not worthy of love. And actually, you know, I know you're doing some coaching work now, you know, in my work as a coach, I see that in almost universally every woman that I've worked with, when you scratch the surface gets to this feeling of I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. What specifically on that belief have you switched that to now feel that sense of worth and to be able to receive love and to feel good enough.
1: I think through deep meditation, rewiring neural pathways in my brain, going back to different situations in my life where I was hurt or I was vulnerable or I was sad, taking myself back to the you know, different ages in my life visiting those scenarios and telling myself that I'm loved, hugging my younger self, talking to her, i write her letters, I'll burn the letters, I'll communicate with her, check in with her. It sounds a bit nutty from an outside point of view, but when, do you know what I mean? <laughs> just, Just chatting to my 10-year-old self. But when you really access her, And tell her she's safe and that everything's fine, you're fine. I think also being that child, I'm playful. My nature is to be fun and happy and playful not take things too seriously. When you access your inner child, life is different and life can get in the way. It becomes so serious. Like I found this month has been so tough because I've gone back into that serious mode and grafting and overworking. And then I burn myself out and then I start going for the wine. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, you know what that wine does to you? You've had that before where you've been a bit of an alcoholic. You know, drugs will get involved in the past. Like, what are you doing? Let's go back, you know, to being mindful, present. And these old tendencies and old behaviors will creep in. And I have to choose what is right for me in that moment. What's going to serve me now? I can go and be mindful. Or I can carry on being nutty if Zaya's dropping food on the floor, the puppy's barking in my face. I've got this to do. I've got to do laundry. Forget it. Fuck all of that shit. Let's just go and do something for you. <laughs> go and have a bath. But, what, you know, but it's hard because maybe is like, you've got to do all these tasks. It's so hard. I hear you. You know what I mean? But the right thing is to go and breathe. But we could choose the right thing or we could choose the task thing. And the task thing is just living and functioning like a zombie. I don't want to live like that every day. I want to be happy and have fun. So if the puppy does shit on the floor, I'll leave it there for 20 minutes now. So to go, (laughs) you know what I mean?
0: Uh, That sounds a bit like extreme, but I have to purposely do things to make myself realize that that's not important. It is so important because these things, like you just described, they stack up, right? So stress stacks, and then you've got to do something to lower the stress, which might be a glass of wine. And then before you know it, it's three, and then you're hungover, and then you're behind. It's like these micro little choices that we make don't seem important, but they are the difference between, like you say, feeling more joyful and thriving and feeling back in that place. It's so important, those little micro, little micro choices. How has becoming a mother impacted all of this? Because what I found is that, you know, my story is not the same as yours, but I have lots of trauma that I've had to work through and heal. And I found it at times really hard doing that with two young children as well, because it's almost like a double the... Work. It's like you've got to do all the normal stuff of raising and all the normal hormones. And then for, for people like us that also have to do all this unlearning, reparenting in a child world, it's like a whole other job. I think she gave me
1: access to find my younger self. Having her made me realize what I needed to do because I didn't want to pass that generational trauma down to her. But it's so hard because you have to be the mom that wakes up at 6 a.m., feed. Entertain, try and work, hustle on the side, do the food shop, all of these day-to-day tasks, which is what I can let stack up, which is not good for me. But then I have to manage my time wisely now. So I know when she goes down to sleep, what am I going to do? Am I going to scroll on my phone? Or am I going to go do a meditation journal? Or go and do some knitting? Like I'm start knitting or doing something creative because I used to love to paint. What's going to bring out my soul? Like what's going to set my soul on fire? But Marlin will tend to go, oh, she's in bed. And I find myself on my phone and I have to freaking purposely be like, what are you doing? This is your time now. But sometimes I feel so exhausted and it is making the best choices for you and managing your time really well and stop trying to micromanage everything where you have all of this control and just let it flow, let it be and just go with it. And it's hard to do.